BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron, and I recently caught up with Jason Tartik, who you guys, of course, know from Becca Kufrin's season of The Bachelorette and Caitlin Bristow's fiance. He has his own podcast called Trading Secrets, and he has a new book coming out next month. And I caught up with him to talk all about the book. And I did ask him about Clayton's season, but we did tape this interview before the finale. So his answer, it still works and I'm keeping it in, but it is before the finale, just so you guys know. Um, I thought it was really interesting to hear him talk about Bachelor in Paradise salary negotiations, the letter he wrote, to his former employer about how he even got on The Bachelor and a little bit more. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jason. Okay, so I just wanted to start with if you could tell me what your goal was when you sat down to write the restart roadmap. And is that the same goal you ended with after you were done writing it? Yeah, so I think that the goal of this book, there's a lot of how-to career books out there. So the goal was to keep it entertaining, engaging, and with every single chapter, there to be actionable takeaways, which there are. And so that was the idea. So it's a guide for anyone that's rethinking their profession uh, and making the slightest adjustment like negotiating for themselves with their bosses within their work environment or the most material move as far as like changing an industry, completely reliving your job. But I do it through engaging storytelling um, and from my experience uh, behind the scenes of unscripted television to in the offices of some of Wall Street's Forbes, most powerful people. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. And this is an eight step process that will help people do just that. And you might just use one step. You might use all eight, but it's uh, it's a good book for that. The one thing I will say, the reason uh, another reason I wrote it is because I was uh, just like I talk about in this book, I was putting this all ultimate ultimatum. Um, you know, I asked permission to go on the show. The, a lot of people wonder like, how do you go on the, a reality show and have a real job? Well, the memo for my, me doing so, and the story is told right in the book. Uh, but then I'm put in this ultimatum and this ultimatum, uh, really put me in the back of a corner. It was all stemmed from a PG 13 rating comment from Caitlin. And they said, either restart your career 
in the bank and no more side hustle, no more interviews, no more podcasts, no more social media, nothing. Everything would have to be approved by us or go restart yourself outside of the bank. And not only did I restart myself, but I built a company because of that called restart to help people do the same refine, uh, refine their career navigation and really work on, um, uh, personal finance. And I feel like from my stories, I can make an impact. And that's what I'm trying to do. Just make the slightest impact for people to write their own story. You touched on so many things that I took note on when reading the book, including the tone specifically, it really did feel like you were talking to me. It was like listening to an episode of your podcast or listening or hearing you speak out loud. And there's pop culture references in there. Um, it's broken down in a way that makes sense. I think to people who wouldn't necessarily feel like they are a career expert. I assume that was something that was important to you to kind of frame it in that way. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to make it extremely relatable. Um, I wanted to give critical uh, lessons that can be broken down in, in simple steps, but I also wanted it to be a, a book that some of this stuff could be boring. How do I get people to want to turn every page in, in a subject that's so, so important to what we do every day. And so that was one of the things making entertaining, engaging and a page turner. And one of the only ways to do that, I think, and the, one of the only ways to connect with uh, people in, in a mass way like this book is to be vulnerable and real and raw with myself. And there are stories uh, in this book that I've never told anyone. You know, there are stories that uh, I gave my mom the manuscript and she read and she's like, Jason, I didn't know that. And I wish you would have come and talked to me about that. Mm -hmm. um, so to, to create that type of connection with the reader, I had to, to be vulnerable myself with some of my positions and in my struggles. For Bachelor fans, there is some fun nuggets in there, including that letter you mentioned that you wrote. And I loved reading that. I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> Why did you want to include that in, in the book? Uh, one, I think it's It's interesting. People it want to know how people from the bachelor go on these shows Two, I mean, you could tell I'm an analytical guy. I went back and literally watched episodes. Unlike most people not to study how to make it long, but I'm sitting there counting how many people will go home each week. So I can give my boss the probability of likelihood as to when I will return to work. And while I'm gathering this information, I'm simultaneously working with production to say, Hey, how long is the first week. Oh, it's only filmed three days. Okay. Second week. So, okay. So I can now do the math. Um, and the reason I include a lot of these tidbits is because negotiation, branding, imposter syndrome, uh, there is a lot of uh, managing relationships, managing, um, bosses, a lot of aspects that people are doing every day. I learned to refine and I took a ton away from my experience on the bachelor. And so while I give a lot of corporate America and corporate banking examples, I also want to make it relatable to those who enjoy pop culture, enjoy the bachelor that it can give you some context as to some real life lessons that I have taken away from this experience that I will use for the entirety of my professional world. You mentioned that, um, that comment that you were kind of forced to, to leave the banking world that Caitlin made on her podcast. Do you remember what can you, or can you tell me what specifically that was and how do you feel looking back at that? Was it just the biggest blessing in disguise that, you know, Caitlin's unfiltered. So I had, I had a two, I had a, a plan when I moved to Seattle. So when I moved to Seattle, I talk openly about money on my podcast training secrets. I think that every dollar earned and lost, there's a story to be told. And I was, um, 
I was uh, given a really good opportunity to move from New York to Seattle. And I did. And part of my plan, and I think this is really important before be going on the show, I knew I was burnt out. I knew my time was done. And I really strategically figured out how much uh, cash I could save from budgeting to give me financial flexibility to leave the bank and write my own story. And that was a two year process. So without the bachelorette, I had two years in Seattle and I knew that I was going to be leaving. Now, after I went on the show, I returned immediately back to work and worked for a year. And the show took, uh, the, the, the company took full advantage of my little two minutes of fame, having to go here and go do that and go do this. And uh, with a smile on my face, I did it because I felt indebted that they allowed me to go on the show. And then uh, in Caitlin's podcast, Off the Vine, as you guys know, uh, she has confessions. And the idea behind her confessions is to say, those people you look up to, those people you might follow, those people you, that put a smile on your face, uh, those same people experience embarrassment moments all the time. And so when you come on off the vine, tell us a moment that makes you relatable. And so her confession was that, uh, her confession that was the first time we hooked up, she had an orgasm from dry humping. Oh my <laughs> God. So that confession, um, hit a lot of headlines and made its way back, uh, back to the office. Oh. <laughs> and that was one of the things that sparked the conversation. And that was one of the, uh, the positions I was put in. Um, and I'll never forget when I called my brother, who is uh, a business owner himself said, Steve, what do I do here? He said, I have a friend. I'm going to, uh, call, talk to you, have you talked to, and he was a New York city attorney. He said, I've heard a lot of stories about bankers and areas in wall street. I have to say, this is the first story I'm coming. Uh, I'm getting where someone didn't say anything. And it was a consensual clothed sexual interaction <laughs> with your <too>. partner, <laughs> partner told in a lighthearted way. Right. So this is a first, uh, but that was, uh, that was the story. That is so funny. And I know it was only a couple months ago that there was something else and you guys were joking about it. That was said on the podcast or something. And you were like, didn't think I'd get this notification today. And it was probably on usmagazine.com, but you guys laugh at it. And I assume Caitlin's unfilteredness is one of the reasons why you love her. So it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I adore her for that. And it create, you know, Caitlin is open and honest and real, and that's, what's led to so much of her success. And, uh, and for me, I was, I was ready to make that move, uh, outside, um, pretty soon. I don't think I planned for it to be just that soon, but, uh, it the all push you needed the push you needed, <laughs> the push you needed. <laughs> um, speaking of Caitlin, you did include a quote from her. I did it very scared, but I did it. And I loved that. And I know you also put it on your Instagram. Why was that important for you to include? What does that quote mean to you? And what do you want people to take away from that? That quote means to me that we get one life. We get one opportunity to achieve what we want. And fear is one of the number one reasons that people don't take shots, that they have their story written for them as opposed to writing their story. It's one of the reasons that people stay in careers and relationships where they feel stuck. And so Caitlin's message of do it, do it. Um, 
do it scared, but do it is such a great testament to, I think the way that we need to think about uh, our lives from a professional financial and personal perspective. The only way we learn as individuals is when we give things a try, when we give things a shot and the more information we can gain from every learning experience, the better we can customize what our approach should be to be on that road for happiness. And this isn't about making the most money in your career. This isn't about, uh, you know, building all that wealth. This is about finding happiness because when you're happy professionally, you will be happy personally and it will make such a greater impact on, on just your overall mental and physical health. I'm feeling inspired. Um, I want to go back to go back to the beginning of the book a little bit because it hit different when you talked about, you know, you said you're an analytical person. You broke down the percentages of how happy you would be in like a 78 year lifespan based on how happy you are during the week of work. And I was like, oh, God, like I like my job, but I know a lot of people don't. And that's just like a scary stat. And you talked about how some of the coping mechanisms ended up being taking Xanax and maybe taking a little relying a little bit too much on that at some points when it's in the Listerine packet and stuff like that. Why was that important for you to include and start there? Cause I thought it was a really powerful way to like kick off the book with all of those that. I think for, for, for my restart, it took self-examination self right down to the bedrock of like who I was and what wasn't working. The problem is I lived most of my life trying to be the person that I was trying to be something that the person in front of me, my boss, my client, my boss's boss would perceive as successful. And at no point was I dropping into myself to find any bit of authenticity. And what ended up happening is that I created this shell of a human, this shell of a person that was living my entire identity and my everything through what I was doing in my work. And as a result of that, I was putting so much pressure on myself to exceed expectations while being this thing I thought everyone was looking for and wasn't it all dropping into who I was. And that led to a, a crash and that led to me falling on my face. And I open up chapter one explaining about this massive panic attack I have in the middle of a, one of our largest meetings. And as a result of that, I went to go see a psychiatrist because I knew that if I had to keep paying off my MBA debt and keep this persona of being a successful banker in the world of, of banking and achieving success, I couldn't show that weakness. And so I wasn't even, my inner voice was literally having me face down on an executive floor bathroom in a pool full of sweat. And I still didn't listen to myself. And I used, oh. and I got prescribed Xanax and propanerol. I kept it in, um, you know, there's Listerine strips. I would take the strips out or put a couple in and put them in there so that, you know, people wouldn't think that I was taking those, but I had it always with me just in case that panic did come to fruition. So I could camouflage that. And, um, and, you know, it's uh, it's really sad that I went that long, um, you know, not listening to myself uh, and, and really going through those type of uh, extenuating circumstances to continue to check the boxes at work. And I think that while people, uh, you know, the, you know, a lot of people that are working professionals um, may not have gone through that extent of career confusion and loss of identity within their professional career, I do think there's a large group of people 
people out there that experience some sort of career confusion. And there's something, even if it's very small about my story that resonates, that will resonate and hopefully spark change in others because so many people go their whole life without really getting what they want out of their career. And, um, that's my story. Yeah, it was, it was, I thought that was a great way to start it. Cause I one, I was hooked. I was like, Oh, I didn't know any of this. And also I was like, who can't relate to wanting to not feel like a ball of stress all the time. Like it's, that sounded like a horrible feeling to, for 10 years, kind of feel like you were maybe on edge or didn't know when the ball was going to try to keep, juggle everything. Yeah. And I think it's like, listen to you, like, listen to yourself, listen to your, you know, your, your intuition and your inner voice it will guide you because if you don't inevitably like you too will crack, you too will fall. You too will need the restart. And if you could proactively, you know, find your answers and find yourself before you hit the floor of an executive men's bathroom, um, that is a good thing to, to consider. <laughs> Negotiation is another chapter and makes sense talking about careers and stuff. Um, what would be your biggest tip for negotiating advice? And could that apply to a bachelor in paradise scenario? Cause I thought it was interesting to hear you. And I know you talked about it with Dean on your first episode of your podcast a few while back about how to negotiate on for paradise, but also in general, like what is the tip you give people about, about negotiating yeah, I mean, in this book, in this book for the restart roadmap, uh, again, these are stories that are from the bachelor days. I talk about the negotiation. I'll tease this a little bit, but I talk about the negotiation for the bachelor and, uh, one way that Colton Underwood out negotiated and outsold us that I will, uh, I mean, it was very, like, it was a tactic that I will, I will always remember. I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, he was, he was, I mean, I think he would have been no matter what he would have been, uh, the bachelor, but it was a good learning lesson for me. And that story's in the book. And then, yeah, stories about negotiating on paradise are in the book too. Um, and so both of those, uh, are stories that are worth reading in the book, but I'll give you a high level, uh, tips, I think for negotiating in general is you, and they do correlate to the stories. You have to know what determines objective success in the person you are negotiating for. And you have to make sure that whatever value you are putting on the table that establishes your worth is connected to what that individual has to do every single day objectively to be successful. Uh, that is a huge one. And I think customizing your approach is a huge one and getting market information is a big one. So this is why I'm so keen on talking about how much money you make, uh, whether it's good or bad, because it gives you more information to go negotiate. Yeah. I think it's genius. I think you get all those people trying to go to paradise this season. They band together. They take a stand. They can maybe get some more money. I mean, right. Yeah. That might get me in trouble, but yeah. <laughs> if they read the book, they can, you know, draw their own conclusions. I said, but it, that is kind of is the purpose of the entire process here is utilize market information to make sure you're getting the worth and the value you bring to the table. So yes. whether it be uh, paradise or your next, you know, annual review, Bring it, bring all your information right. and go get what you deserve. And people, you know, you're, you're Shanae, you bring something, you're Teddy, you bring something, but we need both of you there. So I need you guys to work together and give me good entertaining television. Um, <laughs> and now you got to get Aaron Clancy on the beach. Oh, I mean, after 100%. Over woman to all my, that's my big thing. Got to get Aaron Clancy on the beach that I'll be tuning in for that. 
I agree. Um, you mentioned trading secrets. You cover a lot of business and finance, but no surprise. My favorite episodes are the ones about the reality stars and how much money they make. I love finding that out. What has been the biggest revelation or shock for you about someone's deal, whether it be an influencer deal or a salary on a show? What has been the thing that surprised you the most? Cause you've talked to so many people already. Uh, two, two that surprised me is surprised me the most on trading secrets, Harry Jowsey, um, having his discussion of the, the million plus he's made on OnlyFans in the 10 million he hopes to earn in a year. Uh, I mean, his story is just wild. Um, another one that blows me away is Rob Deerdeck and how he negotiated uh, for his 125K per episode, but also placement rights. So he had ad placement rights in every single one of those MTV deals. Crazy. And in those deals, uh, he was able to make millions of dollars per episode. The other thing he did, which is genius, is that he had a production company. And so he negotiated in his package that the show would then have to be produced by his production company. So a company that was doing thousands of dollars in revenue just based on that contract was now doing millions. And this is really cool because this is behind the scenes, behind the curtain of the TV shows. We can go right now to our television and turn on MTV. He'll be on there. Ridiculousness is always on. It's always on. Well, why do you think? I mean, they got to make up for lost revenue. (laughs) It's insane. It's always on. And I feel like once a year, that graph of MTV's or like graphic of MTV's guide goes viral of like the month schedule. And now it makes so much sense. That's why we're always watching Ridiculousness. <laughs> I love funny. it. I love it. Um, I did want to ask you a few other questions. I spoke to Caitlin shortly before she left for Dancing with the Stars tour. She said a lot of the wedding planning might fall on you because she was going to be on the road. Has that turned out to be the case? Is 2022 still the plan? What can you tell me about the wedding stuff? I have been in charge of what I would say is the, the wedding planner negotiations. We now have our, what we have locked in where I'm like the final detail that's getting all put together for our wedding planner. Uh, ironically enough, it's the same wedding planner. Uh, that uh, Jared and Ashley uh, used. Nice. And he, we were just so impressed at that wedding that it was a really, really a good fit. And so when Caitlin gets back uh, in about a week, we are going to start looking at venues here in Nashville. And ideally we find the venue we want here in Nashville. And with that venue um, comes a date. And the big issue uh, with, with wedding planning right now is you have this perception of when you think you're going to get married, like Caitlin did in fall of 2020. And then you find your perfect venue. And with all the cancellations and pushbacks of weddings, it is getting pushed back significantly. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, we're just going to have to go check out the venues. But realistically, based on the information we have in the market, it might not be until early 2023 because of the pushbacks. I mean, the wedding industry is obviously, like you said, it's in a boom right now for a lot of reasons, including COVID in, in a bringing it back to finance. Is there something that has surprised you of how expensive it is that you really had no idea or were you prepared? If you add, if, okay, if there is, <laughs> now you, you really hit me at the core here, Sarah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it goes together. Wedding finance, you know. Here's the deal. Any product in the planet will have a price tag. If you put the word wedding in front of it or behind it, that price tag, what I have seen is a minimum of three to five X. So it has been uh, an eye opening process. But one of the things with this wedding is that when Caitlin and I look at kind of like our life, our life and our life's work, uh, you know, so many of her friendships and relationships are in the West coast and in Canada. So many of my friendships and relationships are on the East coast and, you know, our, 
fathers have met our mothers have never met face to face. And my mother has never met uh, Caitlin's father face to face. And so this will be a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to bring like our life's work, all the people that we love in one room in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I think that's why we're putting so much attention to the detail. That's going to be a party. It's good. I mean, imagine that dance floor. You have people from like dancing with, dancing the, with stars, the stars, nation. You have Buffalonians trying to like jump through tables, like the bills you're going to, yes. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be something. Else. I hope someone's got a good uh, Snapchat or Instagram story or something for me to be creeping on. Um, I did also, you know, Caitlin is so candid on Instagram. She posted a couple of days ago about struggling with anxiety and stuff. Uh, you guys have been, you know, a part because of dancing with the stars. And I know you must be so proud of her in this tour, but what has it been like to go from COVID where you'd been together all the time, I would assume to now her on the road and kind of, I know it's almost over, but did you learn anything from that? Is it, are you just happy it's ending or what was that like? You know, I think some people forget that like six months or so of our relationship was, uh, was long distance and oh. so long distance. I mean, we were Nashville to Seattle. I did so forget about it, that. What's funny is like, it, we are going back. It's like going back to the long distance relationship days. Um, so, uh, the, you know, I'm excited. Let's just say I'm very, very excited. It's been a, a huge year for Caitlin and a few, huge two years. I feel like it's always a huge year for Caitlin I in mean, a good she's way. Just killing it. Like Mirrorball, Dancing with the Stars tour. She's got a podcast tour. Um, and then she's, you know, doing filming with the show. And so I'm so excited to have her back for a little bit. But um, you know, what's funny is she gets back. And then in early April, I'm going on a book tour. Um, and so in the book tour, I'm actually, I'll be in New York City on April 6th, I believe it is with Tyler and Matt. So that'll Ooh, be fun. Nice. And then nice. I will be in Chicago on that Saturday. I think it's the 9th. And I think I might have a big grocery store Joe there. And then I know I'll be in Cleveland with Michael A. And I have some Ooh, stops. all the hard hitters. Yeah, I got <laughs> Minnesota, Toronto in there too. And then my guests in Boston and those guests are TBD. So as soon as she gets back, then I leave. But we are, we as, as a relationship, we have only, I think, been on two in th- over three years. We've only been on two vacations that didn't have work related components. And one of those was like right after we got engaged. And so what's really exciting is that when Caitlin gets back, we're taking one vacation in um, March and we're going to Colorado for the snow. And in April, we have one w- long weekend we're taking uh, and going to Mexico. And so from the snow to the sun, uh, I can't wait to uh, have a little vacation with Kate. Amazing. Well, I have to ask you a question or two about Clayton. I know you've been watching this mess. What were, what were your thoughts after that, that Susie conversation? I know that it was a, it was a rough one for everyone to watch. I feel like. Yeah. I have no issue at all with um, Clayton being intimate through this journey with other members of the cast that are still in the journey. I have no issue with that. I have no issue at all with Susie saying, this is my line in the sand. And if you were if that did occur, um, you know what, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not for me. Those are two independent, um, discussions. I don't have a problem with either of those. What we saw based on his reaction is what I didn't like. I didn't love Clayton's reaction in a moment of distress and emotional height. Every human after the age of 18 
can probably pinpoint a time that they have regrets for how they acted in a moment of distress and in a moment of emotion. And you could tell how much he cared and loved Susie that I think he was just in a pure state of disarray. And in that pure state of disarray, he did not handle himself in my, my opinion uh, appropriately. But what the beauty of this entire, I don't know one person, I don't know one person that's gone through this show regardless of how difficult and challenging their time was or how pleasant their time was that they don't look back on it and have some life learning experiences. And while it wasn't Clayton's best showing, there's always more to the story and this journey still continues and mm -hmm. I cannot wait. I will be, I will have the popcorn and I will have <laughs> spinning sparrows wine ready to watch the finale and after the final rose, because I'm excited to see the full story hear the full story from him and see how, how like he reflects back on that and grows as a person. And I honestly hope he ends up with someone and finds happiness. I got to know Clayton a little bit, just a little bit before uh, the season aired and everything I saw was a really kind, sweethearted uh, individual and everyone makes mistakes. I think it's just how you learn and recognize those mistakes that will develop Will that will dictate like your self work and self development? I agree. Who do you think should be the Bachelorette? I think Gabby or Susie. Yeah, depending on how this all ends. Depends on how it all ends. I, I think they'll bring totally different things to the Bachelorette, but Gabby or Susie would be awesome. And I still would say this: Michael A for Bachelor. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. <laughs> this to wrap up real quick. This is a few random bachelor trivia questions. If you have time, it'll, we'll run through them quickly. If you have time. Sure. Fire away. Okay. Which two. Asked? Yes. If you don't know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which two NFL teams did Jesse Palmer play for? And what was his position? Oh my God. So he was quarterback. Yeah. I have no idea where he played. Let's say there's a New York team involved. There is. Okay. So then he played for the giants. Yes. And then why this is the weirdest thing in the world, but I'm like seeing Cincinnati Bengals, but that wasn't it. 49ers. 49ers. Okay. It was LA. Shout out Jesse Palmer. Who was the longest standing relationship in bachelor history and what year did they get married? It's gotta be Trista and Ryan yep. and that show, I believe aired, I think it aired in 20, uh, 2002 and the wedding was in 2003. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Who has more Instagram followers? Wells Adams or Sarah Highland? Sarah Highland. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know by how many million? Uh, I'm going to guess by, I'm going to take a step because I'm going to see, I remember numbers. Well, I think Wells has 1.2 and I think Sarah has like seven point something. So I'm going to say she has more than seven more million, six more, more million followers. Wow. Wells does have 1.2. Sarah has nine now. So she's got him by wow. decent amount. Star. <laughs> Besides Caitlin, can you name three other bachelor stars who have done dancing with the stars and bonus if you can name if they won. Okay. Hannah Brown won. Mm -hmm. Nick Vial was on. Matt James was on. Grocery store Joe oh, was on. Um, I believe Trista was on. Um, and who won, I believe it wasn't, um, was it Michelle? No, 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 no. It was Jason Mesnick, the girl that Jason Mesnick did not pick. Melissa Rycroft won all stars. Yes. And obviously Hannah Damn, won that, was that was good. You got almost all of them. I think the only one you missed was Sean Lowe and Jake Pavelka and Crystal, okay. but you named more than three. Yeah. There we go. Um, Caitlin was on third on Crystal's season. Do you remember his two top two ladies? 
Yes. Well, I know Whitney really well and Becca, yeah. yes. Becca Tilly and Whitney, and they're both awesome, awesome humans. Yes. And last one, I don't know if you're like this one, but people often bring you up with the Andrew uh, Keegan of it all. Can you name three of his nineties <laughs> acting roles? <laughs> uh, 10 things I hate about you. That's yes. the one. Uh, Jeez. It's um, the important one. That's the important one. Honestly, that's all I know. What are that's good. Ones? We have um, Independence Day, Seventh oh, Heaven, God. Party of Five, Thunder Alley, and Baywatch. I knew Seventh Heaven. I wouldn't know the other ones, but I know Seventh Heaven. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jason. Yeah. This was so fun. If anybody is you know, looking for any sort of motivation or inspiration or trying to change their life at all, I recommend this book because it will break it down for you in a way you can understand it. And you'll be, I'm, I'm ready to call my boss and get a raise after reading this thing this morning. <laughs> Go get it. Girl. I'll just Go play this clip for them and be like, okay, I'm ready. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about this podcast and come back every week for more Bachelor breakdowns. Mm-hmm.